Let me uh, welcome you as well. My name is Jason Zasho. I serve on staff here as our growing team lead. So I get to come alongside you all in our house churches and uh, whether it's training or encouragement or coaching, uh, uh, that's what I and my team get to do here. Uh, thank you, ladies. Um, so I just want to give you also an invitation. Uh, last week we met for Encounter, uh, which is uh, a way for those who aren't connected to community to get connected. We're on week two of week three. And uh, if you would like to just kind of figure out what it looks like to be connected to community, we're going to have a meal. We're going to be in the new Missions Cafe, which is just behind the welcome desk. We have some sandwiches and chips and hummus and things like that. You're more than welcome. Kids are welcome. And we're just going to have a little bit of an experience of what community life is like. We've been going through the book of John. Uh, last week, we looked at John chapter 8, in which uh, Jesus said that he is the light of the world. And we're going to continue to look at what that means for Jesus to be the light of the world and what that means for us as we gaze upon him with new eyes. So we're going to read through the whole of John chapter 9 together. Uh, it's on page, I think, four, 504 in the Bibles that are in your pews. It's also going to be up behind me. But I think it's just going to be really helpful because there's a, a lot of really good just little tidbits throughout this uh, book, uh, throughout this chapter, and I want to make sure that we capture them all. So God reads this way. As he, that is Jesus, went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, he made some mud with saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he said. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word meaning sent. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had known him formerly, seen him uh, begging, asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am that man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus. He made some mud and he put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought, the Pharisees, <clears throat> they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man said, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was you whose your eyes were he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind, and they received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? they asked. Is this the one who you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know he is our son, the parents answered. 
And we know he was born blind. But how he can now see or, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be, point, would be put out of the synagogue. That is why his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. Now a second time they had summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How do you now see? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciples. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he come from, but yet he has opened my eyes? We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe. Jesus said, You have now seen him. And in fact, he's the one who's speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. Let's pray. God, help us to see. Help us to, to be like this blind man who just has this extraordinary experience with you that is a seed of faith that is planted until he was able to say, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. God, work in our lives through your word. Remind us of the experiences in which you have shown us your presence and your work. Open our eyes. Help us take that next step of faith whether that's to follow you today or to just continue to grow in our awesome awareness of who you are. And if there's anything in us that we are blind to, God, would you show us today so that we can see by the name of and the power of your son, we pray, amen.
So there's a bit of an elephant in the room in this passage, and that's in the very uh, first few verses. Uh, So let's look at this. Here is Jesus, and there is a blind man. Uh, The disciples are coming along, and it's, it's very interesting if you notice the disciples' approach. They kind of, like, you can almost imagine that there's the blind man. He's probably sitting at the city gate because it's at the city gate where people would come through. Uh, And in fact, we read in in the prophets that it's actually in the city gate where justice was to take place, where the writing of those who have been hurt or wronged or those who have some sort of ailment would go and receive some sort of gift. So it doesn't say that in the text, but I imagine it taking place at a city gate. And, and the disciples, they're not offering any help. They have this kind of little theological debate about them. They're like, okay, Jesus, tell us. Who, who, who sinned, this man or his parents? And it's just, it's interesting for me because I think one of the things that can happen to us as disciples is we can sometimes get involved in these theological debates instead of getting involved and those that we're debating about. We have debates and we have talks about what of this or what of that, and instead of actually just getting in to relationship with people and just loving them. So Jesus doesn't get, get into that debate with them. Instead, he says something profound. He gives them a revelation But the way that the New Testament is translated here by the NIV and and some other passages isn't very helpful. In verses 3 to 4, the way the NIV says this is, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And what's a little unhelpful about the way this is translated, and you probably even get this as you're reading it, is it sounds like that God gave this person this ailment so then God can end up showing his goodness through them. It's like God is the one who authored the brokenness. Now, that seems off. That seems completely off to the way that we know who our God is. God is not the author of brokenness. God is not the one who causes the sin or or the ailments that we experience in life. Even though that's even sometimes when we are coming alongside others who might be broken or might have sin and uh, or, 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 or uh, uh, brokenness or unhealing in their lives is like, okay, what did you do? Did you got, make God mad? Did, he, did, did you do something to offend him? This must be something that you did wrong. And that's not at all what Jesus is saying here, even though that's what it sounds like. Without getting into the Greek too much, uh, there's a little word called hina, which means so that, and there's a couple henas in this passage, and I really like the way that New Testament scholar Gary Berge in his commentary, the NIV application commentary, says this. In fact, uh, he says, I'm writing this commentary on the NIV, and I don't even like the way NIV translated it, and so this is the way he translates it instead, if we can pull that up there. Nope. Okay, so I'll just read it. Luckily, I wrote it down. He says it this way instead. Neither this man nor his parents said sinned, said Jesus, but so that the work of God might be displayed in his life, 
we must do the work of him who sent me while it is still day. Listen to that. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but so that the work of God might be displayed in his life, we must do the work of him who sent me while it is still day. What I love about the way that Gary does that translation is Jesus doesn't enter into the debate about who sinned or what happened and why this person is the way that they are. Instead, what he did is he said, this is a reality. And now that we're present with this person, let's do God's good work with them. So when we come across those who have some sort of brokenness or some sort of ailment, we just get to be with them and to love them. When we ourselves are going through that own experience of brokenness, so often we can get into that mindset of, why me, God? What did I do? And instead what God says is, is it's okay, child. And I want to do something good through this. It's such a tender way in which Jesus engages with this blind man. He is not someone to be debated about. He is someone through which God wants to do something great. So, what I'd like to do is practice without uh, too much uh, craziness. Uh, I want to do a little bit of a game to kind of like get us all figuring out what this kind of blindness experience is. I'm a sighted person. I think the majority of people, if not all in here, are sighted. Uh, and so just along those lines, what I'd like to do is kind of get after like what blindness can do with our perception of the world around us. So I need someone who is a very good drawer to come join me on stage. Doesn't have to be like very good, but you know, average good, apparently. All right, come on up. Give him a round of applause. What's your name, man? Jordy. Jordy, I'm Jason. All right, so I have some mud here, and I'm just gonna rub it on your eyes. Great. No, no. There's a blindfold. So what we're going to do is I'm going to whisper in Jordy's ear something for him to draw, all right? And then you all get to guess what it is. We're gonna start off with something simple and we're gonna make it a little bit more hard. And we'll see how we do between Jordy and you all. All right? So here is your pen, here's your marker. Go ahead and get yourself situated. Got it? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna whisper to you what it is. Yeah, so we're going to start off just kind of simple. Yeah, okay, we got it. Good job. That's like, take a look real quick just to give yourself. Well, that's not bad. Yeah, no, that's not bad at all. All right, uh, situated again? <laughs> there 
That is very interesting. He's using his hand still. Yeah. How'd you get that? That must be really good. <laughs> All right. So we got a horse that was supposed to be a little bit more difficult. His response was, oh, gosh. <laughs> yep. Draw it. <laughs> okay. Are you kidding me? <laughs> let's give, let's give, that's actually like a, like a, a very good rendition. I could probably, put, could be put up somewhere. Let's give Jordy a round of applause. So it's very obvious that we need all of our senses. God has made us into fully bodied people. And God's desire is for us to experience that full bodiness. But the reason we don't experience that full bodiness is because of the fall. All of us, even those of us with our five full senses, still have a misperception of the world around us. We still have a misperception of who God is, a misperception of who we are, a misperception of who our neighbor is, who uh, the, the creation is ought to be. We all have ways in which we're blind and we cannot see. And we go about in this world trying to draw pictures, trying to show who we are or who others are. And just like Jordy, to the best of our ability, it's still off. And we need to be able to see. I bet you if Jordy came up and we gave him the pen again, he could draw the Mona Lisa, at least his own rendition of it, <laughs> right? And we all have different ways in which we're gifted as artists. In our own ways, whether it's through, you know, obviously painting or drawing or sculpting, but in your own vocation as a parent, as a son or a daughter, as a teacher, as whatever it is that God has wired you and assigned for you in this life. But here's a man who's, because of the society within which he lives, is completely incapable of caring for himself. And he is at the bottom of the rung. And Jesus stops his disciples from engaging in the debates and just says, Son, I'm going to help you see. So he gets on his feet, gets on his knees. He spits into the mud, almost as if to take divine water from his own body. 
and the mud of the earth from which humanity came to make a mud to put on his eyes and he sends him to the fountain, to the, to the well, to the spring called scent. That it's actually in our going that the healing takes place. It's in our going that the healing takes place. So often we think, God, when we come to places like this, God, make me well, and then I'll go. But that's not what Jesus does here. He says, I'm sending you to the place called sent. And it very well actually might be that when you arrive there, the healing will come. That the man then steps out in faith and he goes to the pool. His eyes are made new and he can see. This man has a profound experience of the revelation of God in his own body. And he was blind, but now he sees. There are various people then that the man interacts with as he's making sense of his experience. The first one that he interacts with, and Jordy, if it's okay, I'm gonna erase your beautiful portrait. I wanna just take a look at this, and there's, this is the reason why we read the whole of the passage this morning. We have the sent man. He's no longer the blind man, right? He's the sent man, and an audience. So, the first group of people that he is sent to are his neighbors. And with his neighbors, what we see in verse chapter 11, let's look at this again. His neighbors and those, this is uh, 9 verse 8, his neighbors and those who had (coughs) formerly seen him Begging him, asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some others claimed that he was. Others says, no, he only looks like him. But he said himself, but he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. And the man replied, the man they call Jesus made some mud and put it in my eyes. The man they call salvation. That's what Jesus' name means. And so the set man says, Jesus. That's his witness in verse 9-11. So this man has an experience, and as he's going through his experience, he's coming to fuller awareness of this thing that he's experienced, of this person that he's experienced, giving witness to the one he experienced. So the audience there is the neighbors and the sent man, his awareness of this man, he calls Jesus. Simple enough. Now, these neighbors then brought the man to the Pharisees. This is verse 13, who had been blind. Uh, Now on this day which Jesus had made the mud and he opened the man's eyes was Sabbath. Verse 15, therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he received a sight. Again, he put mud in my eyes. The man replied, I was washed and now I see. So now, 
the audience increases, changes a little bit. It's the Pharisees. What is this man's response now about who Jesus is? Verse 17, then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes that were opened. And just with a little bit more confidence and a little bit more clarity, this man responds, he's a prophet. Verse 17. Have you ever had an experience in which you experience just a little bit of who God is or, or something in your life that doesn't make sense but you know that it's divine, that it's coming from something that is beyond you or your control and over the course of time you just get a little bit more clarity, a little bit more perspective of oh, oh I got this and it was kind of like maybe the God of the universe but no, now it's actually, it very well might be the person of Jesus. And now what am I supposed to make sense of this person of Jesus? Is, is it just God? Is it Jesus God? Is Jesus speaking on God's behalf? That's what we see this man's wrestling through. He first just met Jesus, and now he's beginning to realize that, oh, maybe Jesus is more than just a man. Maybe he's a prophet. The next set of people we see are the Pharisees and the parents. So you could imagine that there's like an increasing awareness, an increasing intimacy of, of these audiences. First it's just the neighbors, then it's the religious authorities, and now it's his parents. And so this man is, uh, parents come before the Pharisees, He's most likely gone to them and told everything about what he experienced. He's beginning to realize more and more who this Jesus is. <clears throat> and in verse 20, we see this. I'll start in verse 18. They still did not believe him that he had been blind and he had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one who you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know he's our son. The parents answered, verse 20, and we know he was born blind, but now how he can see or how he opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. Speak for himself. Verse 22, his, <clears throat> his parents, excuse me, oop, lost it. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already knew that they had decided that anyone who acknowledged Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. And that is why his parents said to him, ask him, he is of age. So now this man is beginning to grow in more confidence of who this person was that healed him. And he doesn't just say that he is Jesus. He doesn't just say that he's a prophet. But he goes on and he says, he's the Messiah. As he is being sent, his faith is growing. He experienced the physical renewal of his eyes, but as he is being sent, his spiritual eyes are being awakened. 
Last audience. The man is brought before the Pharisees one more time, and it's just the man. And the Pharisees. And in verse 33, as this is happening, we'll actually jump down to verse 30. The man answered, now that it is remarkable, you don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does, not, who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And so it's at this point, verse 33, not only is he Jesus, not only is he a prophet, not only is he the Messiah, but he is from God. Do we see the progression of his faith? There's one last audience, and that's Jesus. And this time it's Jesus and the man. This is so beautiful. So they throw the man out of the synagogue, the place where you're supposed to go and meet and be with God. And Jesus, as we see this man himself confess from God, goes and meets with him instead. Church, there are no walls that can contain our God. And he will work before you and ahead of you more than you ever imagined. The question is, are we going to be like this man and meet him outside of this place? So Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and, he, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, the man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him, and in fact, he is the one who speaks to you. The man said to him, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped. What verse is that? Lord, I believe, and he worshiped. So Jesus came in and he said, I am the light of the world. I make blind people see. This man experienced that. And he said, go to the pool called scent. And living in this sentness, this man's awareness of who Jesus is and his faith in him just continued to grow and grow and grow. Jesus does not stop this man when he worships him. Because he's not just Jesus. He is not just a prophet. He's not just the Messiah. He is not just from God. Jesus is Lord. Amen. And he's the king of the universe. 
that not just wants to heal you, but to seek you, to be with you, and for you to be fully known by him, and for you to fully know him. You might be here today, and you have a physical ailment. Come, we'll pray with you. One of my favorite experiences of healing myself was I had a DVT years ago, a deep vein thrombosis, and I've had pain in my leg forever because of it. And one time at house church while we were praying, my leg was propped up and my brother, my actual brother who's part of my house church, just said, Lord, and we pray for Jason's leg. I've had people praying for my leg in the most earnest of ways for years. And just in that simple prayer from my brother, before we ate, I had this coolness sensation go throughout my entire leg, almost like a pop and a release, and I haven't had pain in it since. And I know that there are others of you who have had similar experiences. And so, it's funny, Mike's not here today, Sally's not here today. They're the folks who have taught us how to pray for healing. We don't need them. (laughs) If there's someone who has need for healing today, come on up, let us know. You can be on either side of these big rugs. If you need to respond because you are blind in an area of your life and you need help seeing, come on up, let us know. We'll pray for you. Or maybe you need encouragement to be sent and go out. Come up. Pray. Offer your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Wherever you're at, let's respond today in faith. Let's respond today with our bodies. And let's respond because Jesus has made us all able to see through his light. Let's pray.